Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us on a fantastic Cinco de Mayo in Charlottesville in Central Virginia. It's going to get into the 70s today. I'm wearing this blue jacket on this talk show right now strictly for aesthetic. I'm not cold by any means. This is strictly an aesthetic and vanity play right now. I just thought I would let you know. Cinco de Mayo, um, Johnny Ornalis, a friend of the program, he owns Guadalajara on Fontaine and El Mariachi on Zion's Crossroads. He came by the studio today, dropped off a bag that included a gift card for yours truly, a gift card for Judah Wickhauer, and margaritas. Ole. Ole, Judah. Margaritas right here. Are you, you're you're, you're going to drink it out of the uh, Tupperware, I see. You um, don't want to pour it into the glass that's sitting literally right next. That, hey, I'm not. That's cool. I don't know if it'll all fit. No, no, no. It, I, it definitely will not all fit. The glass that's sitting next to you is a sipper, like, rocks glass. Uh, but Johnny Ornalis, El Mariachi, Guadalajara, sit outside at Fontaine, mm-hmm. sit outside at Zion's Crossroads, enjoy Cinco de Mayo with your loved ones. It's literally one of my favorite holidays. A holiday much like St. Patty's Day where it's kosher to have a sip or two um, during the daylight hours. And in the case of Real Talk with Keith Smith, in the morning hours. Ole. Here are some of the topics we'll cover on this fine and fair talk show. Yunkin, the free market guy. Yunkin, the what? Was it the Carlisle Group? The CEO of 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 a hedge fund, a money company. He says, I don't like where the hemp and vape and Delta 8 and the CBD markets are going. The CBD businesses are going. So he wants to get in, the governor, and he wants to muddle the waters, and he wants to use red tape and policy and legislation to try to slow down the free market and the invisible hand that we call capitalism. And unfortunately, very soon, I think it's July 1. In fact, I'm very, 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 very soon, very confident it's July 1. A lot of the entrepreneurs and small business owners that got into the vape CBD hemp Delta 8 space are finding that the majority of their products are no longer legal. So we got some clients in this space and we got an email a few days ago that from one particular client that they're no longer allowed to sell CBD products past July 1. So now they're having to do fire sales. Get everything off the shelf as quickly as possible because July 1 is the deadline and then 80 to 90% of the product that's being sold in some of these stores legitimately is illegal. So I'm going to ask this question. Is what Yunkin's doing, does it piss you off or are you cool with it? Do you th- what I want to ask is do you think his – We two-shotting? Yeah. Nice. I like it. Talk to me. Do you think that uh, that his friends, his business partners, don't have a big enough hand in the uh, in in the uh, vaping slash CBD slash THC market that they uh, they want to consolidate that before they they let it get too far into the actual free market? I don't follow. I don't follow what you're saying. There are lots of you know lots of people opening up. Uh, like you said, we have lots of lots of friends who are, who have uh, vape and CBD businesses and shops. Not just <clears throat> friends, paying clients. Jesus, is it? Uh, do you think? I'm sure Yunkin has a lot of uh, a lot of big business partners. 
Are, do you think they're angry? They don't have a big enough hand in the money that's com- that's coming in from all these uh, all these little independent shops. I, I don't think he's being influenced by that. I mean, we know he doesn't care about vaping, or I mean, well, you know what he cares who, about. Do you who, know what he cares about? Who, this is what he cares about. He wants to make it into the the big seat, right? A what? The big seat. He wants to. He wants to keep moving up. I th- I, yeah, I think what Youngkin cares about is the political capital that can be gained by being the face of the franchise of banning Delta Eight CBD vape, whatever the hell you want to call this. And he's trying to build political equity, political capital that can springboard or trampoline him to a different office. Virginia is a unique animal. Are there, are there you, enough people that that that's a a big uh, a big voting point for? Yeah, like Middle America, swatting conservative down conservative America. Here's the challenge: these vape, and you've seen it yourself. A lot of the vapes that are out there, has, have you guys, viewers and listeners, walked into a, a, a vape shop at all? The, some of the product is marketed and branded in capacities that very much would appeal to preteens and early teens. You see that as well as I do because we're in the business. The flavor choice of the vapes, I mean, it's like we're talking like fruity tootie and like bubblicious. And like branding and packaging that would appeal and, 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 and the size of these, the fact that they're so discreet and hideable, they're appealing to pre it, it's like what the tobacco industry was doing in some ways, where they were utilizing the Marlboro man to make tobacco use cool. And and how the tobacco industry utilized its connections with Hollywood. To, to infiltrate tobacco into movies where leading characters were seen, you know, dragging a dart or smoking yeah. a dart, right? I, I feel like this is a, a big, a giant problem with, uh, with our country today is that rather than having a talk with your kids or knowing your kids well enough to see signs of drug use, like drug use or vaping or whatever – our, our immediate response is nobody can sell this stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, 2023, it's always uh, reactionary as opposed to a uh, uh, um, planning type of world. Now, here's or, I'm, I'm or torn on personal, this. Or how about personal responsibility? Here's what how I want to do in localizing it with Charlottesville. Kids. Here's what I want to do with localizing it to Charlottesville. This is why I'm bringing this up to you. If on July 1, these shops can't sell 80 to 90% of their product, they go out of business. They're closing. Yeah, what do you do? You can't. If on July 1, you throw out the shops around this area, including clients, plural, this hurts our bottom line. Along with, Jesus, the, the clients that have put life savings into this stuff. Not to mention the city that gets tax, tax revenue revenue on everything that's sold. And then furthers the vacant storefront index in Charlottesville, increasing it. We talked a couple, over the last couple of weeks of, of why these business models have gained such significant momentum. The obvious thing is they're selling something that's addictive. The second thing is they need one store associate to man the store, so but the overhead is limited. I don't think that really tells – I don't think that's really – an apt description. What? What? 
that they're selling something addictive. How do you? What? Do you, what? Come on, dog. You're you're going to tell me that this is not a di- uh, there, it's not addiction. There is a certain aspect. Same of that. thing as coffee. I'm not throwing shade on it. Coffee, ca- caffeine, you're selling addiction. There is an aspect of addiction, but there is also. A, I I dare you to go. I dare any of you out there to go and talk to someone. Talk to the people working at Skuma. It's not the owner of Skuma is a friend. I saw him two days ago. No, I know they're good people, but I'm saying to others, go out there and talk to talk to someone working in. Uh, skooma or a, or a vape shop they are not it's not just kids uh, obviously they can't they shouldn't be selling to kids it's not kids there's age limit dude age limit yeah I, I know Let's that. clearly make make sure we say that i know that okay but my point is that it's not people looking for a looking for a hit or a you know a a fix. Yeah, let me jump in here. There's a lot. It's a lot of folks that are uh, patronizing places like this for pain management remedies. Pain. That's what he's saying. Sleep. Yeah. Other issue. There. There is. There is an actual market for this, uh, and it's not just. It's not just addiction, and you know, people wanting to wanting to. Hundred percent. Hundred. Hundred. Hundred percent. And, and I'm, fact- I'm torn on this. I'm mm-hmm. torn on this because. I know the owners of some of these businesses and they have legitimately vetted their product and they have their business reputation, which is how they pay their bills on the line. So these individuals, these owners of these businesses have the most to lose with breaking the law. So because they have the most to lose, the product they're selling is the best vetted and how they go about selling their product is the most... um, rigorous when it comes to vetting customers from an age standpoint, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also know that the free market is going to go somewhere, even if the governor of Virginia says this is against the law. So just because Governor Glenn Youngkin is going to say you can't sell these products on July 1, the products are still going to sell. They're just not going to sell on downtown Charlottesville. They're going to sell between buddies where no tax revenue goes to any jurisdiction, they're going to sell between buddies or between people that barely know each other that met on Snapchat or TikTok or were told or connected through the grapevine. And the product that's going to be sold from people to people, is it going to have the same level of uh, vettedness, the same, number, uh, same level of uh, certificates of authenticity or certificates that outline what's in the product? It's not going to have the same rigorous standards of checking. Yunkin is a businessman. He comes from the business world. He realizes that if he signs this into reality, which he has, it's not going to prevent the sale of this. It's just going to take the money out of Virginia. It's going to give him strictly a feather or an arrow to leverage on his way to higher office. Only one terms in Virginia. No consecutive terms. I feel like that's got to be a major misstep. He he could he could gather some votes from it, but I feel like he's going to lose. I think maybe he's he's under uh, underestimated the number of people that have that have gotten into the into this market. I know people. I'm not going to name names. I know people that uh, that have found relief for pain. Have 100%. found have found you know uh, sleep where they formerly had had troubles and. I'm, and I know people that have gotten this stuff from people outside of the state, and they'll continue to do so if 
if crap like this goes through. It and, is going through. And it doesn't do... July 1. And it doesn't do anything for... I don't think it does anything to aid Virginia. And if you're saying that the only reason he did this was to, uh, was to polish his, uh, his resume for the next step, that's... Uh, politics. Uh, that's politics. I, I was going to say that that sullies... That's politics. Sully's him in my view. Okay. I, I think far less of him if, if that's, that's politics. Uh, He's yeah. doing this because that's politics. It's a damn shame. Because he can't have a consecutive term in Virginia as a governor. So when this term is up, what's the man going to do? That's politics. He's looking to climb to a higher office, right? Here's the uh, Jamie Turner watching uh, the program um, as, as we speak here. The, uh, I mean, I thought the governor was... Uh, a free market guy. Um, Virginia lawmakers approve Yunkin's changes to the hemp bill. The changes intend to ensure the continued availability of therapeutic CBD products while toughening efforts to clear store shelves of products with Delta 8 and THC. After a lengthy and sometimes heated debate, both chambers of the Virginia General Assembly ultimately agreed to Governor Glenn Youngkin's proposed adjustment to a bill that aims to ban the recreational sale of intoxicating hemp-derived products. Youngkin made changes, his office said, were intended to ensure the continued availability of certain therapeutic CBD products while toughening the bill's effort to clear store shelves of products containing intoxicants like Delta-8 and THC. July 1, a lot of the head shops, vape shops, whatever, however you call them, whatever you describe them as, July 1, 80 to 90% of the inventory in a lot of these shops cannot be sold in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So from a local standpoint in Charlottesville, the question is, one, what happens to all this real estate that could potentially, on July 1, I mean, geez, Louise, we're talking about... less than two months from now. And everywhere you look is a vape shop or a head shop. There is three or four in the downtown mall alone. Yeah. So on July 1, the owners of these shops have this question to ask. Do I try to stay in business? What product do I sell? Do I close my business? Do I keep paying rent to my landlord? Do I screw my landlord? Do I file for bankruptcy? Do I just close the LLC down? Hope, hope to God they put them in an LLC. Or do I pivot the model altogether? Yeah. All these questions are being asked right now. You got people that put life savings on the line asking that question. That sold real estate to, to get the seed capital to launch businesses like this. Yeah. wonder what's going to happen to all of it from a Charlottesville standpoint. Jurisdictions are going to lose a little bit of tax revenue. If anyone thinks these, these types of products are not going to be sold, you're foolish. We've already decriminalized this, so they're just going to be sold on the black market without any accountability or repercussion. Yeah. Virginia loses the revenue. Yunkin gains political capital. And a in number some of quarters. I'm Yunkin's sure he'll lose gain. it in others. I mean, I, I, I would imagine Yunkin is surrounded by very intelligent people that utilize think tank strategies to develop the pros and cons lists on if this is a good move. And Yunkin's team and his people probably put a pros and cons list together and said the pros outweigh the cons in our viewpoint. 
I don't think they're doing this just willy-nilly. No, that's Everything why I, that he's doing is calculated, right? I agree. That's why I, that's why I initially asked if, uh, if maybe not enough of his friends had their, had their uh, fingers in this pie, and uh, this is a way of giving them time to uh, corner the market. Yeah, that's a great question. Jamie Turner says, I wonder how they're going to enforce it. That's a great question. How are they going to enforce it? That's a great question. Great question. Um, Katie Pearl says this. Um, that's your perception on why he's doing it. Not necessarily fact. At the end of the day, this was passed by both bodies, so this decision did not solely lie with him. That is my perception. 100% that is my perception. Um, that's, this call. entire talk show is my perception. That's why it's a talk show. Um, I, I don't see Yunkin doing anything else that's not going to better Yunkin. Yeah. He's a politician. Right. Yunkin's not going to approve something or make a move on something unless it's not good for him. Just like McAuliffe. Just like McDowell. Just, just, just like... Yeah. Politics as usual. Yeah. I mean... How it pertains to Charlottesville is the opening of the storefronts and where's the next opportunity. That's what I'm curious of. Where's the next opportunity? And I don't have that answer right now. I think we are going to see Class A primo spots spring. You got Corner, Midtown, Downtown, 29. I mean, good Lord. The Form, Waffle House on Fifth Street. Waffle House. How much did they put? Look at what they did. You talk about timing. Yeah. Follow it. We'll follow it. All right. Um, and speaking of closings, if you want to rotate the lower third, the Newtown Fitness Club locations are for rent now. These fitness clubs opened during COVID as a solution of people who were fearful to work out in gyms. The business model was to rent the club for personal use or for use for you and a couple friends in times of increment of times. And the clubs are now all for rent. The spaces are all for rent. So a model that we thought was, we were curious about, whether it was going to gain traction or popularity, now is proven to not be um, sustainable. Why? Because the reality is if you were going to work out alone, you would do it at your house. Yeah. I mean, who's... who's Folks are motivated by working out with people next to them to help push them to do better. Yeah. And you said it was about, uh, they were about renting the, renting the place for yourself. Yeah, so I mean, how many people? How many people have the forethought to think, okay, tomorrow or next Thursday at? They get. They had serious traction during COVID. During COVID. Serious traction during COVID. Outside of COVID, who's planning their? Who's planning their uh, their workout that you know in advance? Uh, respectfully disagree. Um, no. I know many people who are well, very committed. It, well, then why is it failing? Um, I can tell you why it's failing. Um, I know many people who are very committed to certain teachers 
For example, Chris Collins at ACAC teaches a high-intensity workout class, and if you go to that class in the morning or the evening, that class is completely full. So people are 100% planning their schedules around working out in certain class structures offered at, say, Borset or ACAC. I think it's failing because of the following reasons. When it's all said and done, when you go to a gym, when you go to work out, if you want to work out alone, you do it at your house for free. People that want to work out want to go to a location that's not their house because at your house you get distracted by your kids, your laundry, you eat, TV, Netflix, whatever the hell it is. They want to go to a location. They want to be motivated by other people working out around them all going after the same goal of improving or challenging or lifting or whatever the hell it is, and then they want to leave. There's something motivating about being around other people that are struggling for the same goal that you are. And Newtown didn't offer that. And now the spot on 4th Street, the old cigar shop, is for rent. He's got one on West Main that's for rent off one of the side streets. He's got a handful of locations. I appreciate their ingenuity during COVID, though. But once it got back to normal, it it just was not a reality of business. And speaking of businesses struggling, Rob Schilling reported this. Neil Williamson put this on my radar a couple weeks ago. The, The Progress just did another round of layoffs. Now the number one editorial personnel, the number one person in charge of editorial to Daily Progress is... Reynolds Hutchinson. Yeah, I think he follows me on Twitter. And Reynolds has not been... Reynolds Hutchins. Sorry, Reynolds. I messed up your name. Reynolds Hutchins. He's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He is legitimately atop the digital masshead of the Daily Progress. And he's been at the newspaper for less than a year. The guy in charge of editorial... The guy with the most responsibility, editorial-wise, at the newspaper, the paper of record, has been at the paper for less than a year. Did you also know the cost? Of, I, I want to tell you this. You know what the cost of a print subscription is for one year? You get the paper delivered to your house. It went up. What do you think it is? Per year? I mean, I don't even, I'm not, <clears throat> I don't have any metric to... Print paper delivered to your house, one year, daily progress. How much do you think? Oh, let's see. Uh, $5,000. That would be a hell of a newspaper. Not quite $5,000. Just under $1,000. Just under 1000 So how much is that per paper? I can give it to you per month. I mean, I can obviously give it to you per paper. Let's just call it an even thousand divided by 365. We're talking about $2.70 a paper. 365 times $2.70 is yeah, $2.70 a paper. Remember, the Sunday edition is more expensive than the Monday through Saturday editions. Yeah. Sunday edition has the coupons. It's more expensive. So if you want the newspaper delivered to your driveway every day, $1,000. How many people you think are doing that? Not many. In yeah. this economy, a G for a newspaper at the bottom of your driveway that's not very thick and doesn't have a ton of content and has a lot of AP copy in there? Yeah. 
Now, with the layoffs happening, that means less editorial content and less incentive to subscribe. I'm not throwing shade at the newspaper. Judah and I want the newspaper to be strong as possible because that gives us fodder for conversation on shows like this. Yeah. Shows like this are stronger when the reporters in the community are paid well and are churning stories every day that he and I can read, analyze, and unpack. And the community is stronger. Community stronger when uh, when the press is strong and is holding the uh, holding holding people accountable. There it is. That's why I'm bringing it up today on the show. Rob Schilling reports you 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 lost your uh, you lost your editorial editor. Your editorial, your editorial commentator, your writer for your editorial page, you lost the president of the group. I mean, it's to the point where it's like, you know where I started getting really bleak on the future of it? I worked at the newspaper, as you know, as many people know. Once I started seeing like these websites, like 247 Sports, or like the daily, or like uh, the saber.com, or even like ESPN improved its coverage with Heather Dinich. Heather Dinich, like 18, 20 years ago, when she was on the ACC Sports Beat, she was damn good and was as good as the beat writers on the local beat in Roanoke and Charlottesville and in Richmond. So I was like, all right, the daily progress when I was working for the newspaper, fresh out of UVA, very entrepreneurial, I was trying to look at ways to optimize or, or if newspaper was the future for me professionally. And I'm like, okay, the future of this newspaper is all right because it's got the University of Virginia football and basketball and its sports department right here in its backyard. And as long as we can cover UVA two to three stories a day, people will subscribe to us because people are fanatical about Wahoo sports. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, the future's okay to be in the sports department. Then I started seeing the Sabre and 247 Sports and ESPN and Heather Dinich and all these other news outlets, digital news outlets, putting out two to three UVA articles per day as well. And then I realized, holy crap, we just got commoditized as a staff. We legitimately got commoditized as a staff. And when we got commoditized as a staff, especially since we were giving our content for free on the internet, we were giving our content for free on the internet while asking for people to pay for our content in print. We were idiots. We were idiots. We, commo- we got commoditized and we had a stupid pricing and business model. At that point, I was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. That's legitimately when I quit. Started a platform myself 15 years ago, May 29th. 15 year anniversary of being self-employed in this business is in 24 days. Oh, and I saw a ridiculous story. Listen to this. I was reading this on uh, one of the family members of someone that I used to work with. When I worked at the Daily Progress, ladies and gentlemen, they used to print the paper on Rio Road. Yeah. Okay? I remember the spot. On Rio Road. I used to go to the back of the... um, I used to go into the printing room, into the printing press. Because I was low man on the totem pole and oftentimes had to proof the paper before it went to the pad. Before we put the paper to bed, we proofed it. And proofing happened between somewhere between 11.30 and midnight. Oftentimes we were proofing 11.50 to midnight. And that 10-minute window versus the 30-minute window, a lot more mistakes got in the paper, which I'm sure you guys realize from time to time mistakes happen. Anyway, long story short, once we proofed the paper and put it to bed, I used to go to the printing press to hang out with the guys. It was a team of four or five guys, 
Frank, this guy Frank, led the charge. These were guys that were skilled craftsmen running printing presses. It was a skill, like running a printing press. You took these slabs and you had to legitimately like adjust them perfectly to go through these press. It was like a legitimate profession, running a printing press. These five or six guys, Frank, Mark, and a couple of these other guys, Gary, got to know them. Salt of the earth guys. Went from straight from high school to the printing press business. They knew no other skill. One day, corporate walked into the printing press. I think this was when Lee Enterprises purchased the Progress and other brands um, from Warren Buffett's outfit. Okay, Mm. one day they walked into the printing press at the Daily Progress and sat the five or six guys down and said, the paper's now being printed in Richmond. We're taking this department and it's being vaporized. You have 10 minutes to collect your stuff and get out of the building and your health insurance is only active for the next five days. And you're talking about people that have never known any other profession that went from high school into this business. You're talking people that were in like their 50s. Yeah. That's... Mm. Not good. Mm. Bill McChesney says, when I was delivering the progress, it was printed in the building across the street from the Macklin building. You're 100% right the Enterprise building, and you can still see, I'm looking at it right now, across from my studio right now, you see the stonework, you've seen it, right? Can we get that? I don't think the cord will offer enough, but you can still see the daily progress on the stone right next to the sign of the Enterprise Center. Hmm. If you walked out that studio door, Judah, and to the right of the Enterprise Center, (coughs) I don't think the studio camera would go that far. But he's exactly right. I can't see it, so yeah. It literally was downtown. Let's go to Deep Throat on Twitter. Yes, Deep Throat. The, the editorial writers are all gone. And the only newspaper that's keeping an editorial team is the Richmond Times-Dispatch. So Lee, Enterprise, Lee Enterprises, which is the largest newspaper owner in the Commonwealth of Virginia... They own the Daily Progress and Richmond Times-Dispatch, among a number of other brands. They have eliminated, to save money, the editorial departments. Often it's one or two people that write the editorials. The only editorial departments of all the newspapers they own in Virginia that are saved is the one out of Richmond, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And that editorial department has now been instructed to create editorials that will appeal to readership across various Commonwealth jurisdictions as opposed to editorials that are specific to the Richmond market. So that's what they're doing now. Deep Throat also says this, on the high fiscal delivery price, pure cash cow milking strategy, they know they have some lazy subscribers who don't bother to counsel. The daily progress just keeps hiking to maximize the revenue from zombie subscriber basis. That's right. That's 100% what it is. That's insanity. That's exploiting elderly is what that is. Yeah. The Daily Progress realizes there's a portion of the population that is elderly. That doesn't realize what they're getting charged with. That do- no, no. Well, maybe that. Yes, you're right. You're 100% right. Not only that, but thinks that the newspaper is the lifeline to living in the community and figuring out what's going on. And this paper keeps getting delivered to them at a higher clip. You mean at a higher cost? Higher cost, higher cost. Lower clip, skinnier paper. 
Yeah. They're exploiting that demo primarily. Yeah. The progress. He's exactly right. Jim Hingley watching the program. Jim Hingley sends this text. Before printing at Rio Road, the Daily Progress was printed on Market Street across the street from us. That's right. The loading dock was on 4th Street. I remember seeing the huge paper rolls being delivered there. Wow. He's exactly right. I'm looking at the signage. Hey, hey, hey. I'm looking at the signage literally across from our studios where the Daily Progress is printed. Jim says um, he remembers seeing the huge paper rolls being delivered to the loading dock on 4th Street. <laughs> a thousand a year to have the paper delivered to your house. Oof. All right. Two more topics, and then I'll get out of here. John uh, Blair is going to get some love from me on uh, his comment he did on LinkedIn about Virginia governors and the UVA Board of Visitors. I love that comment, John. Um, Used vehicle prices fell for the first time in 2023 this month. I cannot believe that. Used vehicle prices fell, excuse me, last month. Used vehicle prices fell in April for the first time in 2023. Cox Automotive reported a 3% decline from March to April. Further declines could help bring used vehicle pricing down for consumers since retail prices traditionally follow changes in wholesale prices. Please have prices go down. First time they drop in 2023. Maybe your pal, your boy pal's getting things in check. Carol Thorpe, Queen of Jack Jewett, says this. The Daily Progress upped my digital-only subscription by more than $10 last month without notifying me and charged it to my credit card. This is the second time it happened, and I called this week to cancel. Damn, that's dirty. That is. That is so dirty, Carol. I'm sorry that happened to you. Did you hear what she said? Yeah, they charged a card without even notifying her and raised her, raised, her, raised her prices without notifying her either. The DP, she says, upped my digital subscription by more than 10 bucks last month without notifying me and charged it to my credit card. It's the second time this has happened and I called this week to cancel the subscription. Bill McChesney says, we cut down to just the Sunday edition for coupons. The coupons went to crap, so we cut it off completely. That's what I'm saying, man. I, I don't think folks truly understand the news desert we are in here. We are in this world-class... Okay, we gave ourselves this moniker, but we have the University of Virginia here. We got all these schools at UVA that are evidently top in their field in the world. We got hedge fund... We got a hedge fund row... We got breweries, we got wineries. We got so many effing stories to tell. Amazing, I know. But it's got its head up. It's you know what? We we are in a legitimate desert here. Philip Dow says, "What you are describing is my parents. They depend on the newspaper and would never counsel. Hmm. They're exploiting the elderly." Nora Gaffney says, I used to get the end of paper rolls from the progress for kiddos to do art on. Nice. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Nora. That's pretty sweet. Sherry Wilcombe says, Wilcombe? Is it Wilcombe, Sherry? I think it's Sherry Wilcombe. I always cancel when they hike my bill up 
Then two days later, they call and get it back for a price I canceled at. I haven't done an increase in at least three years. My husband reads it. Otherwise, I'd cancel completely. You know what really irritates the hell out of me? This is what irritates the hell out of me. When, like, the cable company or the newspaper or someone you're paying a subscription fee raises it to a rate that is too expensive, you call them to cancel, and then to save you, they offer you, like, a 25 or 20% discounted rate just to save you to keep your business. Because they know that... That's the price! Because they know that probably less than 1% of the people... That pisses me off. ...will call in and get the actual... the, the what it's worth. Well, you're 100% right about that. You're 100% right about that. But if they're giving you the 20% off price when you cancel, that's the price. That's what I'm saying. That should have been the offer. They know that so few people will actually call and, and get the right price, and they have no problem charging the wrong price. It's profits over people. <laughs> that's, that's your line. That's going to be my line. That's your line. I think that's going to apply in a lot of things that we discuss. <laughs> Profits over people. That's, that's J-Dub's line. Carol Thorpe said, I told them to shove it. That was more than double the cost. The mayor of McIntyre says, you could stand on 4th Street and look through the garage doors and literally watch the presses rolling. For years of my life, I watched the newspaper presses print the paper, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's I remember cool. when I had a byline, I had... I don't know, eight or ten bylines on A1, which is the front page. And I remember every time I got a byline on A1, I would go back to the press and take the first newspaper off the press and save it. And a lot of people don't realize this. The first newspapers that come off the printing press, they're thrown away because the alignment is often not perfect on the Mm. first few. The first takes one or two to get a handful in. of newspapers are their checks of the alignment of the press. So I would always want to get the first handful of ones because they were the irregular ones, yeah. which I found them to be more one of a kind. Nice. Um, all right. You want to talk about the swatting? That was your suggestion. I was shocked of the swatting. Yunkin and swatting. You want to talk about that? That was your idea. Yeah. I mean, I did. In this case, I, I appreciate that uh, that Youngkin's doing this. It's a, I think it's a good thing. Um, you got to tell them what swatting is. Swatting is the act. Uh, I mean, you know, we've we've all heard of uh, of fake. Uh, what do you call it? Fake emergency. Fake uh, call-ins to schools and other institutions where somebody says, "Hey, you know, there's a bomb threat," or "Hey, uh, I'm going to come and do something horrendous," like shoot people um swatting is this bomb threat called threat to a school called swat team has to arrive yeah that's swatting yeah we're we've seen that in charlottesville charlottesville public schools and now almora county public schools i I mean we've seen it in in, we've seen it everywhere we've seen it across america for for years if not decades so it's not really anything new i mean uh it's similar to you know similar to somebody pulling a fire alarm in a school and everybody's got to everybody's got to file out, and the uh, poli- the uh, fire department has to come check the place out, make sure everything is safe before they let anyone back in. So it interrupts the school day. It uh, probably terrifies some kids oh. that that don't know what's going on or Dude. are worried that this might be an actual you know an actual 
fire or a, an attack Can you or imagine a bomb? A, a SWAT team officer, you have no idea what's going on. And a SWAT team officer in complete gear and get up and, and, and machine gun walks by your school door, your window, or your classroom door in the window, and you're terrified in the classroom, and you see that? Yeah. That would scare the bejeebus out of some kids. Not, and, and, not, and the most terrifying thing and not is, just, is... And not just the fact of, of a SWAT member walking by the window, but these kids have... We, I don't understand this. You, you and probably most of the people watching this don't understand this, but kids today have been brought up hearing about school shootings. It is life for them. Whether or not it's happened at their school, that is their reality. They live, I, I can't imagine living in fear that somebody might walk into my, my classroom and, and start firing a gun. Well, I, I just, I can't, that, that reality, I, I've never lived in that reality. And I, it, it's terrible. I can't imagine um, I, having kids that, that are terrified of that on a daily basis is truly one of the tragedies, I think, of, of life in America today. It, and and this is why I appreciate the fact that they're that this swatting is making uh, making the act of of calling in these these false. Uh, so know. here's the nitty gritty: Yunkin and um, the General Assembly are, are are dropping the hammer on swatting at a greater clip. They're they're making the the punishment more severe. This is what I did not realize. Prior to this bill which yunk inside, inside EC Glass, the high school, if you had called it a threat prior to this bill, you were not facing jail time? That's, and, and, and not only that, I, I don't know if this is, I, I read that they're making this change that you could be charged with uh, the cost of, of... What it costs to send the SWAT team out there. Yeah. You should. Yeah. Because I, if, I if, know if it's they, the taxpayers that are paying for that. I didn't know if they didn't do that before, but yeah. No. That's, that's insane. It's insane. Make the punishments for prank calls, or prank calls is not even the right word. Um, what's it called? I would, I would put it at borderline terrorism. Yeah. I would put it in sniffing terrorism. Well said. When you're, when you're, what's it called? It's not prank calling. It's a threat. Fake threat. Yeah, I think, well, you're 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 terrorizing children. You're terrorizing even parents. If, even if you're not, I, I'm less worried about the parents than oh I am about gosh, the kids. Oh my gosh, dude! Please, you gotta consider the parents. A mom or dad in a school, a mom or dad with their kids in the school. If they hear, I mean, I I thank the Lord have not been in this situation yet with our children, our boys. But if we had heard or rumor mill. With social media, how these yeah. spread so quickly that there's something going on at the school. Our bet, my better half would beeline to that school, kick you, not a lady you want to cross. Mm-hmm. I'm Trust me. Trust me. I didn't realize the penalties prior to this bill were so weak anemic yeah so weak and i agree a thousand percent with what you said about in the terrorism category well said strong comment 
All right, I want to get to the more you know here, if you want to put the other headline on screen. The Virginia governor, this is from John Blair. He, he let me know this over uh, LinkedIn. I, I love stats like this, John. Um, Virginia Governor Godwin, the only governor to serve two terms, 1966 to 1970 and 1974 to 1978. He appointed 32 separate people to the Virginia UVA Board of Visitors. He had the most influence with the UVA Board of Visitors with the two terms, 66 to 70 and 74 to 78. No back-to-back terms in Virginia, remember. 32 separate BOV members appointed by this guy. That's a great trivia question. You're at a cocktail party or you're at your dinner function or you're somewhere this weekend and you want to get a conversation starter going, that's a good one. Did you, who do you think is, uh, first off, I don't know if a lot of people realize the governor's appointing the Board of Visitor members. Secondly, you could start with that. Secondly, you could say, did you know Razorblade Ellis is on the Board of Visitors? That's fascinating. <coughs> Dude drives from Georgia with a razor blade to razor blade to sign off a door and still gets appointed to the Board of Visitors. That's fast. That's, that's a conversation starter. And that's, that's literally what he did. <coughs> I... <coughs> Sure. How is that not what he did? It's, I think it's probably a greatly simplified version of what actually He happened. had a razor blade. He drove across multiple state lines to Virginia, to UVA, to Charlottesville, and wanted to razor blade a protest sign off a door because he didn't like the message. Razor blade Ellis, ladies and gentlemen. I've, I've got this image in my head now of this guy dry, All he's got is a car and a razor blade. Yeah. And, and, he's and drive, while he was driving, he's driving down with, the... He's driving with one hand. Yeah. And he's stro- That's what he's doing. He's stroking the razor blade sitting in the passenger seat the whole time. He's driving down Eastern Seaboard. For, for, just past south of the border by South Carolina. Oh, look at that billboard. I got my razor blade in my hand. I'm going to razor blade that damn sign off that girl's door. I can't wait till I get to grounds. I wonder how she's got that sign on that door. Is it scotch tape? Is it duct tape? Is she using that little sticky glue that she puts on the back of that sign, that putty? Either way, this razor blade's going to chop it down. That's what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Juan Sarmiento says the razor blade is in between his teeth. The whole way. That's a long drive. <laughs> like a pirate, where he puts in, like the knife in between his teeth. Arr. Uh, oh, God. Single to my. That's a long drive. I've, I've done the. I've I used done to the live in Florida. Georgia That's a long drive. Oh, Maria Marshall Barnes. Right? Is, this, is this threat now? Speak of the devil, published on NBC 29. Thank you for sharing this with us. Speak of the devil, Maria Marshall Barnes. Guess what just happened? Almaro County Public Schools investigating social media threat. Literally published 52 minutes ago on Friday, May 5th. Students at Lakeside Middle School shared a cell phone image with their principal that contained a general threat against an unspecified school. Almaro County Public Schools said the information in the message was not relevant to any schools in the division and deemed it not to be a credible threat requiring the disruption of normal school operations. On cue. Some dude, bogus social media threat. Yeah. Drop the hammer. Yeah. 
The sad thing is you can't not take those seriously. You have to take it seriously. I w- every time there's one of those things happen, I want the full weight of the police force to go and investigate, and then I want them to get the invoice and the bill and give it to the mom and dad of the kid. Yeah. You talk about the moms and dads being involved. Seriously. I, I agree with you. Every man. social media threat that happens, send every single member of the SWAT team and the police force to the school to investigate, do a very thorough job, do not cut mm-hmm. corners, then take the invoice and give it to the mom and dad. That's what you do. Yeah. And see what happens. And see how many more of these social media threats happen. Yeah. So tired of all that. Mm. Get more tired of it as a parent. All right, we got to close. Margarita's good, Johnny Ornalis. El Mariachi or Guadalajara Fontaine for Cinco de Mayo. We're enjoying a delicious margarita right now. Thank you, Johnny. Mm. Thank you, Guadalajara Fontaine and Johnny Ornalis and El Mariachi. Yeah. All right, anything you want to close with, what you learn, final thoughts, anything else on your mind, show is yours, anywhere you want to go. You can go Yiddish, you can go anything you want to go. This margarita is delightful. It is amazing. I yeah, it's very refreshing. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It's delightful. It's very refreshing. Do you want to close? Uh, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, Maria Marshall Barnes. She goes, I'm constantly worried with kids at school. That's the parent. That's legitimately the parent. That is something that was a conversation my wife and I had about um, school choice with our son, our oldest. There is value in not having to worry. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I don't... Even if the threats are fake, there's value in not having to deal with the threats. Yeah, and I don't mean to uh, make light of what what the parents go through and deal with. It's Miz. In the, no, I, I understand. But I, I think, um, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what psychological work has been done to understand, um, what's how children are changing, but living in, uh, and you know, there are places in the, in the world where kids deal with a lot more than, than just, uh, uh Oh yeah. Facebook bomb threats. Yeah. But you know, our kids here, uh, I think uh, there's, they're, they're dealing with something that, uh, that probably hasn't fully been uh, uh, studied. Studied. A hundred percent. And living with that kind of fear, I think, uh, affect, you know, there's, there's brain chemistry. Our, kid, our kids are growing. They're changing. They are, uh, you know, I, I shudder to think uh, how, how this affects them in a, in a long-term uh, you know, a, a long view of things. Um, a compound compounded by this. Viewers and listeners, listen to this. Judah is a hundred percent right. Not only today's student living in fear of the gun violence at school, today's student also dealing with the ramifications and collateral damage of COVID learning. Mm-hmm. Today's student dealing with the ramifications of not enough bus drivers, so they're showing up to school anywhere from 30 minutes to 90 minutes late. 
Today's student arriving home 30 minutes to 90 minutes late. Then Today's, having, go ahead. I was going to add in the, uh, the probably also un, uh, unstudied effect of, of phone use, cell phone usage. Kids that are say that. on their phones, you know, 90% of the day. Throw in the vape piece with today's student, with students using it more than ever. I think, uh, and the political war zone that schools have become. We talk about the um, we talk about how much has has changed and how things change faster and faster as we you know as as we move forward. You know, it's amazing the uh, uh, it's amazing the the changes, the inventions uh, that that we saw in from 1900 to, to 2000, and we all have seen. How um, how that's increased the speed of uh, of invention, and I don't think we fully understand what you know how the world around us is is changing and how we're uh, uh, you know we're we're pushing technology faster than we really have the ability to understand what what we're doing with it. Well, the, was it the Godfather of AI with Google? You brought this up in the middle of the week. Just quit, yeah, because he's terrified of where AI is going. Yeah. I think he realizes he left something in the hands of people that uh, that don't respect it the way he does. The C-suite, I, the C-suite. This story was out there five or six years ago. The C-suite of these big tech social media companies, the 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 moms and dads that are in the C-suite of these big firms, do not allow their children to use the products they're building and managing because they know how they know how dangerous it is. The C-suite of big tech social media parents. Do not allow their children to use their products. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about that. Crazy times, this world. Lonnie Murray. Lonnie, when you comment, I read it. I want to understand the psychology as well of the kids calling in these threats. Are these cries for help? Kids that just want a day off from school? Attention? What's the psychology? Great question. Yeah. It's a great question. Philip Dow in Scottsville says that fear is why homeschooling is becoming popular. Yeah. It's also driving, driving momentum um, behind private school enrollment. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Because you don't often hear it there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. You were on point today. I sincerely mean that. Um, anything else for the show? Good work. Mm, uh, I mean, nothing I can think of. There's a, there's so much, so much we could touch on, cover, uh, talk. Did you have about. fun today? Yeah, I had fun today. Good. Two. All right, you going to Guadalajara or El Mariachi? <clears throat> um, I gotta. I'll see. I'm not sure where I'll be going. Uh, where I'll be eating tonight, but uh, I'm glad that I got my. Uh, I'm glad well, you got a I gift g- card. J.O. dropped off yeah, yeah. a gift card, too. I got started early last night with some, uh, some Guadalajara tacos. Uh, tacos are my spirit animal, so I will continue that tonight, hopefully, and uh, maybe uh, on through the weekend. I've heard, uh, I think we've heard from, was it our, uh, <clears throat> our viewers that told us about the, uh, the, um, the Latino Hispanic food in the back of the, was, is it the Shell Station next to? Yeah, I said that. I brought that up. Fifth Street Extend. Fifth Street Extend. Go try it out. It's good. 
It's um, across from uh, the market at Tiger Fuel, Fifth Street Extended. It's on the other side of the road. It's damn good. Yeah. And it's a local family. I got my dad some, uh, some Mrs. Renfro's ghost pepper salsa. Ooh. So, uh, can you, when you, when you have that ghost pepper salsa with your dad, will you do a horizontally filmed video of him enjoying it that we can replay later on the show? If I remember to, please. Well, can you put a note in your phone to remember? Should we get, should we get big Jim on the show? Does he follow current events closely? Charlottesville current events? I know he's got an opinion. The question he's is, got an opinion. I don't know. How, I know he has an opinion. The question is, does he have an opinion on stuff that he's read and follows current events? That's the tough part. We don't have to pressure. Uh, John on LinkedIn, um, Esquire Blair, JM. Do you realize you can get a daily subscription to the Wall Street Journal cheaper than a subscription to the Daily Progress? There wow. you go. Fantastic comment. And that right there puts things in perspective. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and it's heavy, and it's labor-intensive current model, and it's still labor-intensive despite, its, despite the layoffs. I'm not sure in its current model that that business model can survive. Yeah. Cut the print out altogether. That's a no-brainer. You're going to lose some revenue with the older folks that you're exploiting by charging them $1,000 a year. Yes, I know. But how much does it cost to print that paper and deliver it, circulate it? A boatload of money. Take the digital model, hire three writers and three salespeople, and run it with six people, and that's it. I mean, good Lord. We're running the I Love Seville Network with two. With two. Now, we're working our tails off, but I think we're beating them to the punch. We're offering commentary. They're no longer offering commentary. (laughs) That's the talk show. Judah Woodcower. Jerry Miller. I love Seville show. Presented by Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. The content creator did the deal for the advertising as well. Dr. Wagner's got your back. Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. For Judah, I'm Jerry Silva.